This episode of Storylines is brought to you by Company of Women on the Screen. Company of Women on the Screen is a full-service production company specializing in arts, women's, and social issue documentaries. With over 20 years in the Edmonton production community, Company of Women on the Screen has produced some of the best award-winning productions in the province. Check out their website at companyofwomenonthescreen.ca. Welcome to Storylines, a podcast brought to you by WIFTA, Women in Film and Television, Alberta. I'm your host, Sheena Rossiter. On this week's episode... Seriously, what happened on camera is really what happens in our private conversations as an Arab community. We're in conversation with documentary writer and director Nisreen Baker. It is my hope that slowly but surely, with every film, we're bringing in the Canadian viewer to kind of see us as part of that beautiful mosaic of Canada. Originally from Egypt, she honed her craft in her native country, where she got her start in the film and television industry. Getting started in the industry was, as everybody experienced, was tough. Nisreen moved to Canada in 2001, and her debut Canadian-produced film was A Day in My Shoes. It explores the lives of three Palestinian women living in Canada and how they managed to raise Canadian children while still holding on to their culture and heritage. More than a decade and several films later, she dove deeper into Arab culture in Canada with Things Arab Men Say. That documentary brings viewers into the lives of Arab men while gathered in a barbershop on a Saturday afternoon. Now she's working on another documentary that looks at the world of Arab women with a film called Arab Women Say What? She aims to bridge the gap between Arab and Canadian cultures through her documentary films. Nisreen, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Pleasure to meet you and meet your audience. I want to get started on how you got to Canada and your journey to come here. You were a filmmaker in Egypt before you got here. How did you get your start originally in the industry back home in Egypt? I got my start right out of college. I finished uh, university and then I worked with a director in college who kind of mentored me into the process and took me through it. And then from there, I got married. I married a Palestinian Lebanese and moved to Lebanon, where I continued to work in the same field. So then we moved to Dubai for his job. He's an engineer. I also continued to work throughout that period in the film industry. Then we decided to uh, find a home for us, a, a base. We wanted a a place to call home, and then we uh, did our homework, and we studied the new world, you know, countries that accept immigrants, so Australia, United States, and Canada, and we truly fell in love with Canada, especially after we read the Charters of Rights. We went ahead and applied, and at that point, Canada had opened the doors for immigrants, uh, especially engineers. My husband was the principal applicant, and and we did, and then we arrived to Canada. 
What was that initially like when you arrived here in Canada? Getting started in the industry was, as everybody experienced, was tough. As it is, it's a hard industry to break into. All my experiences somewhere else, trying to get my foot in the door was very, very challenging. What was one of the most memorable experiences of some of those challenges that you faced? The one that I remember. I called a broadcaster to try and find if they're interested in a day in my shoes, actually. I have done film. I've worked on film. At that point, it was like almost 10 years in the industry, but somewhere else. Mm -hmm. So the answer came back is, who are you and why should we listen to you? I had explained that I've worked in the industry for 10 years. It was an international experience. I've worked in Egypt and Lebanon and Dubai and da da da. I guess that without a Canadian experience, it didn't matter. How did you feel in that moment when somebody came back and said, sure, you have 10 years experience, but it's not Canadian experience, so who cares? What did that make you feel? It's hard. <laughs> it is hard to be on the receiving end of that. To me, it was, I'm going to make it here. It was more a challenge to myself after that conversation. So you clearly use that rejection as fuel to propel you forward because In My Shoes ultimately did get made and it went on air on CTV. Tell us about how that came to light. How did that process come about? So I was starting to raise funds for it from the community and wrote a script. At that point, I was studying at the University of Western Ontario. One of my professors said, well, this is really professional. You just need to tweak this and that. And then I started looking for somebody to shoot it, a director of photography. I started looking for an editor, and then I found Greg Davis. Greg Davis is an amazing person and and a dear, dear friend. And he is kind of the one who introduced me to the Canadian way of making things, which is not really different than how it was in the old country. I was going to ask, what does that really mean, the Canadian way? What is the difference there? It's more of a collaborative effort here where your editor gives you pointers, your cinematographer gives you pointers, which is fantastic because then the production is all the better for it. And then Craig introduced me to Don Manford. At that point, Don Manford was the uh, station manager of CTV London, Ontario. It was licensed and it was aired. I sat there in my living room, watched it a year on the day I arrived to Canada. But how rewarding was that moment? Exactly the same day, a year from when you arrived, after getting that initial rejection, you're sitting on your sofa watching your debut Canadian film broadcast on national television. That must have been a great feeling, I mean. That was a feeling that I'll never forget. That was incredible. I was so grateful, so thankful. It still brings tears to my eyes because it was was a mountain to climb. and, And with the help of all those wonderful people, we all did it together. And what was the reaction from that film? Because you brought Canadians into the world of these three Palestinian women who have been living in Canada and are raising Canadian-born children. How did people tell you that they received the film? 
the feedback, the reaction from the viewers were incredible. They would write to the network and say, oh, I didn't know. The viewer would call in and say, I had no idea you guys are like us. And I thought, yes. <laughs> Many people identified with it, especially with the immigrant community whether they came from Eastern Europe or from Latin America or from India or China, many of those comments were, oh my goodness, we're going through the same struggles too. So that was really, really heartwarming and encouraging. You moved to Canada in 2001, and that was around the time where Islamophobia started to take off. We're just coming off the 9-11 attacks How do your films work to bridge the gap to really bring us into the reality of the world of Arab people living in Canada that strays away from that negative narrative we tend to see in the media? I would say this is my mission because in a post 9-11 world, apparently we as Arabs are the new villain in town. In every era, there comes a villain and I suppose Unfortunately, it's our turns as, as Arabs. Being in Canada give, gives me this opportunity to kind of balance that image, to show the other side. I am not trying to beautify the image. I'm trying to give it a real image. Documentary by nature is trying to present something real. So I'm just trying to invite the Canadian viewer into our living rooms, trying to take them to see our journey. And through your films, are you feeling that people here are getting a better understanding of Arab culture and people? I truly, truly hope so, because what we see on our six o'clock news, that's not the full story. So it is my hope that slowly but surely, with every film, we're bringing in the Canadian viewer to kind of see us as part of that beautiful mosaic of Canada. Is that partly what fuels you to make these films? Is it there's a lack of knowledge about your culture? There is a lack of knowledge. And then you get the six o'clock news. So if I don't know something and somebody sitting behind a desk coming into my living room every night at six o'clock telling me those are terrible people, they're terrorists, they're murderers, they're this, that, and the next thing, and I don't know anything about them, well, I'm going to believe that. But if I know that this is the minority, and as the saying goes, no news is good news, the news is not going to tell you that we have a love festival in Egypt, and we have the light festival in Lebanon, and we have this festival and that festival, and film festivals and song festivals, and marathons, and the whole shebang. The news is not going to report that the news is going to tell you that somebody strapped something to their waist and blew up something. That's what makes the news, unfortunately. I would like to play a part in balancing that image, in correcting that image. It's not trying to paint a pretty picture. It is just trying to present a realistic picture in any population. There's the good, the bad, and the ugly. You paint a very lighthearted and really quirky, lovely picture of what it's like to be an Arab man living here in Edmonton in Things Arab Men Say. Tell us a little bit about that film. What's it about? 
It's basically my husband and his friends. And it came about when I used to go with my husband to the barbershop and I sit in the waiting room. And there's a wall between the waiting room and the place where they all get their beards trimmed and, and haircuts and whatnot. And I sit there and I listen to incredible conversation, lighthearted, sometimes serious, and the uh, poking at each other. Slowly but surely, I kind of thought, oh my God, this is, this is who we are. We're really, really political. I mean, politics takes the majority of our conversation. We discuss our religion openly. We make fun of each other. I started, you know, writing and writing kind of outlines okay, they had this conversation, so they're willing to discuss religion. So I kind of made some points, and then I put a, like a script outline, and I took it to uh, Bonnie Thompson, former producer at NFB, and we worked together on presenting it to headquarters. It came to light. How surprising were some of these conversations that you overheard? Were you surprised at what they were talking about? I think the surprise for me was that they said that on camera. Seriously, what happened on camera is really what happens in our private conversations as an Arab community. So whenever we get together, this is kind of what goes through our minds and usually what goes through our minds comes out of our mouth. Take me through the process then. How long did you film? Was this just one afternoon? It was one afternoon, but the preparation for it though, there is a great mistrust between my community and the media. And there's also a huge factor of camera shyness. We are not used to the camera being in our face or even near us. That took a bit of persuasion on my part to the guys that, you know, we're going to bring a camera, maybe two or three, <laughs> put it in this tiny barber shop, and just, just have the conversation you were having or the, the ones that you usually have. Go at it. They were really, as all Arabs, really camera shy. And what are you going to do with that conversation? The mistrust comes out. You know, I explained that this is what we're doing. We're trying to show ourselves. And if we don't show ourselves, who is going to show us the way we are? If it's left to somebody from outside the community, they'll miss all the nuances. So it is now upon our shoulders to tell those stories. And then, of course, I had to train them for the camera. So what I did is I took my old, big, humongous camera and I put it at the corner of the barber shop. And I said, just do what you do. Have haircuts, talk, whatever. And while they were going about doing what they do, they were staring at the camera. So the next weekend, there were glances at the camera. By the third weekend, it was becoming part of the decor, nobody mind it. And that's when I knew they're ready. So then the conversation is fresh because they did not discuss it during those training. Now they're used to the camera just being part of the decor, so nobody's looking at it. So it just became, it came together nicely. What did they think of the film when it finally came out? Well, they were very happy because now they're stars. They liked it, they approved of it, they thought it was an honest portrayal. They felt that it was finally a true representation of an Arab man. 
when we use the term Arab, it is a lot of different countries. It's a lot of different cultures. Even within the language of Arabic, there's a lot of different dialects. What is it like to be an Arab person living in Canada when you're lumped in under this umbrella term of Arab, which actually is so many countries, cultures, and different dialects lumped together? How do you kind of connect that? You are absolutely right. And that's what I try to do with my films. As you mentioned, when you say Arab, there are 25 Arab countries, 25 dialects. The religions, the various religions within the Arab community is incredible. We, you know, you have the Muslims and the Muslims have the Shiites and the Sunnis and the Sufis. And then you have the Christians and they have the Orthodox and the Catholics and and the Protestant. And then you have other religions too, the Baha'is and the Druze community is really big. The variety within the Arab community is wonderful and something to be celebrated. And I wanted the Canadian viewer to know that when you say Arab, it's not one thing. It is so many things. It's pretty much like saying Canadian. So the Canadian Irish and Italian and Arab and African Canadians, it encompasses all that. So Arab also encompasses a lot of things underneath it, with things Arab men say and the upcoming documentary, Arab women say what? Something that I'm trying to focus on, the variety within the Arab community. Let's talk about this film coming up. Arab women say what? Am I, am I saying that right? Absolutely. Is, is that the attitude you <laughs> yes. want to put on it? Tell us about that film. What's what's the premise? Just like we heard from Arab men, we are now going to hear from Arab women, and this time representing the rainbow or the mosaic within the Arab culture. So Arab women from different cultures get together over food and kind of discuss things that are of concern to Arab women. Arab women are a group that are very commonly misrepresented and misunderstood. How does this help give access to viewers who don't know this community and don't have access? And there's a common misrepresentation of that community. As part of the Arab community, and since the whole Arab community is misunderstood and misrepresented, they're part and parcel of that. They follow their image and what the viewer sees or hears about Arab women follows the same narrative as the Arab community. So if we're talking about all Arabs are terrorists, then we're talking all Arab women are oppressed, especially those who wear the veil, the head covering, when the reality of it is the complete opposite of that. So we're trying to explore that in in this film and many other topics that are not only Arab women issues, but any woman in any part of the world can can relate to. You work a lot in Arabic, and even though you're making films here in Canada, it's kind of a, a nice blend of English and Arabic in your films. This year was a big year for foreign films. And the Oscar goes to... Parasite. The film Parasite did win Best Picture at the Oscars, and that was a huge step forward. And the first time ever a non-English speaking film won the top prize at the top award show, the Oscars. 
How is that kind of reassuring for you, for a filmmaker that doesn't work predominantly in English, that people are embracing the world of subtitles a little bit more? That is fantastic. That is wonderful. That is, I think, what's going to bring people together, people of the world, people from different parts of the world. When we see and watch foreign films, we kind of gain a better understanding and a better insight into a community or a society or a country that we might not have been fortunate enough to visit. So that if we have a misconception about that country, it is dissolved. Or if we hear somebody talking or perpetuating misconception about that society, then we can correct them and explain to them the reality of things. Parasite to win the top prize, that is incredible. That is so wonderful. And it, it gives hope that with all those wars going on in so many countries in the world, that people still have the will to rise above it, to really build those bridges, just come together as people without any of the politics around different countries. Nisreen, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I'm Nisreen Baker, and these are my three tips for starting out in the industry. Number one, have a clear vision and be mindful of budget. What is your message and how do you plan to show it? It's a show and tell industry. So showing is very important, but be mindful that content drives the cinematic language. Number two, be determined, persistent, and prepared. When one door closes, know for sure that 10 more are still open. Be prepared to walk through all of them or one of them. Number three, collaboration is key. Explain your vision to your crew and work with them to bring it to life. That's our show for this week. Thanks so much for tuning in to Episode 7 of Storylines. Storylines is a women in film and television Alberta production that's made possible with the generous support from Alberta's Ministry of Culture, Multiculturalism, and Status of Women. Special thanks to FAVA for its support on this production. Thanks very much to this week's guest, Nisreen Baker. The show's executive producers are Elise Graham, Ava Carvinen, Samantha Quantz, and Teresa Winnick. Shana Giles is our associate producer and social media coordinator. The original storyline's theme is composed by Aaron Macri and Laura Rabode. And I'm your host, senior producer and audio technician, Sheena Rossiter. Make sure you tune in every week to catch the latest Storylines episode where you can hear interviews and get tips from leading women in film and television. You can check us out and subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Until next time, follow your storylines. We can't wait to see where they lead. Thank you.